Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hi Fiona, how are you? Hi, good morning Hayden, very well, thank you. Excellent. Um, leadership. Leadership is very topical at the moment with the current political situation and, you know, the big hoo-ha about Brexit and, you know, that's going to go on for, for quite some time. Um, so I'm just wondering, given that you've been working with leaders for a long time, uh, particularly medical leadership, um, what makes a good medical leader? I think leadership is uh, a way that you express yourself in the world. Mm. It's a set of skills that you can learn and grow and develop. I don't think that leaders are necessarily born. I think they are skills that are available for anybody to learn if they really want to. Mm. And the kind of skills I think that are really important in as we move into 2019 and beyond, they are a different kind of skills that are needed than have been traditionally needed so for example previously people may be leading within an organization whereas now we need leaders that can work across systems mm. in a very complex environment people who can set a um, compass a direction of travel but also have a radar and part of the radar i think is about their listening skills mm. their ability mm. to have one-to-one -one relationships with a wide range of people around them so that they're constantly in dialogue with people about how people are feeling and what's going on and um, because I think leadership is delivered through a series of relationships with people and nobody wants to be done to, people want to be part of um, creating something and, and I think that the challenge for leadership as we move forward is about how, you, how do you engage with a, a really wide complex range of people to, um, you know, to to build a community of people who have a shared sense of purpose and vision and a sense of direction but recognizing there is no kind of blueprint to follow there's no um, formula that if you do this then that it's a, a shared discovery mm -hmm. I mean is it more important to have your own blueprint or to be clear about your own blueprint where you're going to or, or is it literally just a free-for-all and you just it's important to, to create that personal relationship with people I think it's a both and mm. so you need to have an idea about where you're going and I think the best way to do that actually is about being really clear about your own personal values mm. and being really really connected to expressing those during the course of your day in your career but also it's, it's not just about you know the answer and you're setting the direction that that doesn't really work anymore it's very much you have these ideas and other people have these ideas and how do we collectively work out well, this is the direction that we're going to do our best to go in, but we're going to keep kind of close eye about are we moving in that direction or or not? And because we're in such a complex adaptive system, um, you know, the world that we're we are in is it's very very complicated. Then things can um, 
can come from left of center that you couldn't predict so you need to be able to respond to that and perhaps readjust the course that you were going on so i don't think it's the case that a leader has to kind of know a direction and set it but it is something that you create together informed by your you know when you're in a senior role you have a perspective across the system that perhaps not everybody has but it is about how you empower people to to kind of want to to be going in that direction and to be actively they they need to own it they need to kind of feel that that's the direction that they want to go into and Mm. and 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 when 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 did this shift um happen in your opinion i mean it sounds very much more inclusive this sort of leadership vision that that you're having rather than being the actual leader um, allowing people to follow with you i think it's probably been a gradual transition so Mm. i've been in in system leadership roles for 20 years Mm. now and um but public health leadership has always been very much about leading across organizations across systems dealing with complexity and i think that is now kind of the zeitgeist it's now what certainly in in the health world that we, that we recognize that it's all about systems it's not about individual organizations it's about health working with local government working with third sector partners working with local communities working with independent business and the whole kind of community coming together to um, improve the health of the population and that's a very different skill set from say being a traditional director within an organization that's mm-hmm. focused on internal issues within that organization mm-hmm. and and have, have you always had that kind of outlook you as a person or have you developed that over the years in your role I think I was probably attracted to it because of some early experiences that I had when I was a junior doctor. Within a few weeks of my first house job, I joined the Health Promoting Hospital Committee. Mm -hmm. And that was a real partnership of people from a wide range of disciplines across the hospital Mm -hmm. with health promotion specialists. And um, it was just brilliant. And I remember looking around the table and going, oh, it's really strange that I'm the only doctor here. I was really surprised about that, but actually I loved that work and I found that I was really talented at leading groups and bringing people together and creating things together and that kind of development kind of work. And actually that's why I ended up pursuing a career in public health because I knew they were the kind of skills that I had and that I was good at and that I wanted to really grow and develop. And and do you think being a doctor in public health, do you think the doctor side of things hinders you or does it make things better for you as a public health physician? Well, it's a really, really interesting question and it's one that the public health community has um, been exploring for the whole 20 years that I've worked in public health. And I think there are times when it adds value and there are times when perhaps it isn't so relevant or um mm. so but it's very much you know if you kind of hide behind the label i'm a doctor then that doesn't really add value to mm. anybody but if it just happens to be the, the the kind of background and training you have then it can add um add add a lot yeah you can bring a clinical perspective into things where in some forums that's really helpful in some it's not to me public health is actually not about 
oh, well, in terms of my whole career, actually, has been not about pathologizing people, but mm -hmm. about enabling people to flourish. And um, I don't know, I have mixed views myself about whether I needed to be a doctor to do the things that I have done. Some of them, I would say, yes, definitely. So my public public health role around um, individual funding requests, for example, and commissioning mm -hmm. policies and making sure that they're based on um, what the population needs, value, evidence base, being able to look at clinical um, requests for mm -hmm. a new high cost drug, for example, and being able to draw on my clinical training to make a decision about that has been invaluable. Working with a local community around understanding what their health needs are. I don't think I needed to be a doctor specifically, and I think sometimes that that may have been a barrier for people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as a career currently in, in 2018 and coming up 2019, um, is it something that you sort of uh, impress upon and would encourage other medical students to go into it? So public health is always changing and always evolving. Um, the public health skill set, the training is just a fantastic qualification to have. It opens doors in all sorts of directions. You know, I couldn't begin to name the, the different ways that you could use that, that, you know, that set of skills. And I would encourage people to think about where they might want to use that skill set and what kind of employment setting they might see themselves working within because you know, a lot of public health consultants like myself moved into local government. We're now sort of chief officers, directors in local government. It's a very different role than um, working as a public health consultant in the NHS previously, for example. But the public health, those skill sets are needed now more than ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of recognition that that skill set in terms of like I said, understanding population need, value, evidence base, being able to have system leadership roles um, are really, really important. And also being able to reduce health inequalities, understand outcomes. How do you improve health outcomes? How do you spend you know, that one pound that you have um, to spend on improving health in this population? How do you spend that to, to best effect and make sure that every pound is spent to improve health outcomes. So I still think it's a fantastic qualification to have and you know, need to be thinking about where you would want to be using that as you, mm. you know, as you go through your training program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ca careers are changing all the time. You know, um, uh, when you qualify one year, um, whether that will help you in your uh, upcoming career is is something totally different um how do you define careers i mean i i find it very fascinating what what a career means i mean i think so yeah I'm, I'm just interested about your view about the word career so i think there's no such thing as a traditional career and that traditional three-stage model that we've had of careers of education employment which is quite stable and then a period of retirement is is rapidly going perhaps for a slightly older generation that is still the model that they've had but for i'm in my mid to late 40s and for somebody like me i know i'm going to want to be working until i'm much older in the context of you know potential 100 year life and 70 year career it's going to be much more about 
you it's like crazy paving is what there's an, mm. an analogy that I use your career is now like crazy paving and you have to create it and drive it and it's very much around different chapters of your life it will need to look quite different mm. and but you can consciously create that through self-knowledge and self-understanding and understanding what you need and what really motivates you at different periods of your life and then creating um your own unique path um to suit you and is it more acceptable to to go down this self actualization career path is it much more acceptable now I think it's still um, still quite a new way, mm. particularly in, in some of the more traditional careers like medicine. Mm. It is still quite a new way of working. But I think there's a lot of recognition, for example, that doctors need a more portfolio approach to their career. They need to have a balance between um, different things that they're interested in at different times. So a clinical portfolio and a teaching portfolio and a um, appraisal or all the different things that you can do within that career that add up to a full-time or possibly a part-time job just depending upon what what people need but it it does need a lot of self-insight and self-understanding to be able to create that but that's what's going to bring most people lasting meaning purpose satisfaction and well-being in their lives as you know over a longer period of time and you know i mean for, for me personally i think there's not enough um, internal work of knowing what makes you ticks and 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 what makes you work and and don't work and motivated and um, and having that purpose and having that passion and having that desire to do what you want to do in life and um, I mean I'm sure it's changing now I'm I'm not involved in medical school education um, but I think that's something that that they will concentrate in over the next ten twenty years I think. Yeah, and I think medical schools are showcasing alternative careers mm. or folio careers and exposing their medical students to, well, you can use this qualification in lots of different ways. And um, they're responding to students asking them for um, more of those kind of um, experiences. Mm -hmm. And in terms of if people come to you and they want to change careers, Mm -hmm. um is is that common in medics um and if sh if so how how do you go about doing that because it, it sounds really challenging well i'm a qualified careers counselor as well as a executive coach um so if somebody does is at the point where they feel they want to change career then i will help them to make that decision it's quite rare actually most people want to well most people who contact me are either in leadership roles and really flourishing and want to you know excel at what they're doing perhaps with some careers work and some health and well-being work but I do get people that contact me saying I'm, I'm at the point where I can't cope um, and I'm thinking of leaving medicine I think that's the only way and actually for most of those I find that um through a lot of reflection, self-understanding, they are then able to identify and articulate what it is that they need. And most of those do stay in their job or, you know, with changes, they often mm. will maybe drop some sessions or they'll pick up a different area of interest or they'll negotiate some flexibility around their hours or whatever, whatever it is that mm. they need. But most people are able to stay. They just need 
to um, have a period where they reflect and rejuvenate their career. Mm-hmm. So it's quite rare for somebody to contact me and and say, I have decided to leave medicine and that's that, I'm never going back again. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's quite reassuring, really, for the for the medical profession here in the UK, given that um, that the majority of them just need um, kind of re- recalibration of their internal compass. It's it's very um, unique to each in- individual. Mm, so, mm. Um, but I help people to understand exactly what they do need. Get learn a vocabulary to use to understand their career and their working life and then to be able to make the right decisions for them based on you know knowing they've gone through a kind of evidence-based process to help them to understand and make a clear plan to move forwards from from here and 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 how successful is this evidence-based plan well this is in terms of helping people to really connect with mm. what's to bring them meaning, purpose and satisfaction. I get a lot of emails from clients several years down the line telling me about what they're doing now and how pivotal the work that we did together was and um, how it's really opened up their thinking and their horizons. Um, just had an email yesterday actually from a senior registrar that I'd worked with uh, who's now in her first consultant post and, and she's really flourishing in it because she's been able to get it set up in a way that's really going to work for her, for example, or a GP who was on the edge of burnout who's now in a medical director role and leading system health improvement work and really loving what he's doing. So wow. I haven't done any, any randomised control studies, <laughs> uh, obviously, but um, but... You know, I can see a real impact in people because often when that when I first work with them, they are, you know, maybe not in a, a great place, but I see them flourish in front of me. And that's why I call my model the upward spiral, because I help people get on an upward spiral, but also to learn skills that they can use during the course of their careers to actively manage th- themselves and their careers over the course, you know, the course of the rest of their career. So teacher man to fish kind of mm. person and, to fish. And, and and what are the three um, important skills that, that 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 our listeners can uh can hear about today that you can tell them Terms about of managing their careers or? yeah ma- managing their careers or they're going through some difficulty at the moment what are the three top skills you would advise them uh, okay so radical self-care i mm. think all doctors need to learn the skills of, of radical self-care and it will be unique to them around what that is but it's it's something that every professional I think in current the current environment they need to learn those kind of skills um, and to really um, invest in themselves as their own greatest asset in their own lives and career so that do that at work to really understand yourself and what you need and your own growth and development and what's going to really feed you um, mm. for that next period of time. And um, third one, I, I suppose I'm thinking about tapping into what people love, you know, what mm. really gives them joy and mm. creativity and passion and, and kind of making sure that they have that somewhere in their 
their working week or their working month. It may not be what you do for your day job. Um, for some people, it may be something that they do in in their spare time. But mm-hmm. making sure that they, there are those things that really feed you in your life. Wonderful. They, they they sound really, really important and something that's essential for, um, for continued success. Um, how can people get hold of you, Fiona? What's what's the best way if they want to contact you and um, get their careers flourishing? So I have a website, www.fionadayconsulting.co.uk, and from there it's got all my contact details, details of my coaching programs, and testimonials from all the people that I've worked with, um, and lots of information on there too, and just get in touch. Wonderful. Well, it's been a great pleasure, Fiona. Thanks for your time today and um, look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Haydar, and all the rest to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Surgical Spirit podcast. For all the latest in the world of Surgical Spirit, don't forget to follow on Twitter at The Third Eye Doc and catch me on Facebook at the page The Third Eye Doctor. You can visit the website at www.thethirdeyedoctor.co.uk for more information on the work that I do. And please send us feedback and questions and suggestions for the podcast. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. I've been Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, and I'll see you next time.